Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Riverside. A couple of quick announcements to hit while the kids are making their way out to class. Barbecue and fireworks tonight at 8 p.m. The fireworks, courtesy of Lions Park right over here. It looks like it may be a little bit rainy, so I imagine we will have more people than usual at midnight standing underneath the awning and watching the whole thing uh, from there. Uh, we have a barbecue starting at about 8. If you uh, love to grill and would like to help out, about what time should we start grilling? 7.30? 7.30? Okay. Huh? We'll have plenty of time. Well, we will have lots of time. That is true. All right. So anyway, uh, if you're interested, come tonight. There's nothing. We don't plan anything from the 8 to midnight slot. We just hang out. Okay. So, uh, but there's all kinds of stuff. You can go back and forth to Lions Park, stuff like that. Anyway, Ladies Craft Group, Saturday 1 to 5. And we're going to have baptism services in two weeks uh, on Saturday the 16th and Sunday the 17th. So if that's something that you have never done and uh, you're thinking, what's my next step? Uh, and that's something that you haven't done, well then maybe that's something you need to, need to be talking over with God. So let me know if that's something you want to do, and I will get you all of the information that you need. But today, we are in part 19 of this lesson series uh, in the book of James. And today we are to a, what for me was an incredibly pivotal moment in my life following Jesus, which is... Uh, well, it's found in James chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, where he says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I'll never forget, uh, when I was reading through the book of James, trying to figure out what, what does it even look like. If, you, if, if a person decided they wanted to just live their lives the way, that, the way that Jesus lived his life, and live your life the way that you were designed to live by Jesus, well, then what would that even look like? And I remember I was struggling with so many things in my life. And I got to this place and I was like, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I was like, I could really use that. That, that sounds very like very valuable information. But how do I do that? And James comes right in the next sentence and tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's like Pastor Jeff said, go stand next to the biggest kid in the neighborhood when the bullies are coming around. And that's, that's what James advises. It's also... What the Apostle Paul advises. Now it's really interesting. Uh, James and Paul, they come at the same concept from completely different places. And so they have different ways of saying basically the same thing. James says this in two sentences. Paul takes a couple of paragraphs to do the same thing, which is pretty typical. They're just, you know, Paul just talked a lot. Uh, and so this is the way that Paul puts it in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And so what we're going to talk about today is what does that armor, well, what does it look like? You know, what, what, in, in my life, what does the armor of God actually look like? And what I'm going to share with you is like, you know, I mean, if you've, if you've read 20 books on the armor of God, you've gotten 20 slightly different takes on this, right? Um, because there are so many different ways to come at it. And so what I'm going to talk about today is not the only way to look at this. It's just the way that it's actually kind of worked out in my own life. 
And one thing that I noticed in my own life is that as I was starting to try to figure this out, there were times when I was nervous to actually to move forward with these things, to put on this armor, I guess you could say, because I was afraid maybe I would, well, I didn't know what I was doing, right? I mean, I was blundering. I was trying to figure it out. Sometimes I failed comically bad at this. I mean, I'm sure I must have been hours of entertainment for everybody in heaven looking down and watching and thinking, what's he going to do next? But what I've learned is that God, God loves it when amateurs start bungling and trying to figure out what it looks like to follow him. And he will pour his power into your life if he sees into your heart, right? And if he knows that your heart is, is there, that you're wanting to move forward with him, he will give you every opportunity and resource and, and pour the power into your life in order to get it done. So to kind of get our minds set for this whole thing, being willing to jump in and just kind of, you know, give it a try. I want to show you a clip from a movie called Galaxy Quest. Don't know if you ever saw it. It was back in 1999. The, the whole idea behind the movie was that there was this uh, cast of a science fiction television show, sort of like Star Trek. And when it was canceled, none of the actors could get a job anywhere else because they were all sort of typecast into these roles. So they started doing Comic-Cons and, uh, you know, doing events where they would show up at a place where they had the whole place decorated like you know, the, their starship, and everybody else was in character. And so, one day, a group of real aliens, they end up starting to see these television broadcasts. And they don't think they're, they don't realize they're fiction. They call them the historical documents. And they are blown away at the, the, the cast or the crew of, the, of Galaxy Quest, their ability to get out of what seems like impossible situations. So they design their entire ship, they design, you know, they, they create, just based on what they see in the, the historical documents, they create the stars, the starport, they create their weapons, they recreate their gadgets. And they come at one point and pick up the cast of Galaxy Quest, who think they're just going to another one of these nerdy sort of uh, events, and they take them to space. And it is absolutely hysterical what ends up happening, but there's this one moment where Tech Sergeant Chen is asked to do something that he's not so sure that he's really up to. Let's, let's watch. Chen is here, he can operate it. It was designed watching his motions from the historical documents. 
I, I mean, I can't. I, I, I can supervise. Jason, we're gonna test it. On what? How about that pig lizard? Hey, I'm all right with the pig lizard. Please, Fred, and hurry. I'm sorry. It's very exciting to watch the master at the controls. The operation of the conveyor is much more hmm, art than science. Stand back, Jason.
how you treat other people. Every single other piece, it sort of starts here. But what'll happen, I, I've noticed, is that when you start off, you start off, I mean, I can remember back when I first started, my view of God was, was pretty narrow. And as I have progressed along this, uh, this, this journey that Jesus has led me on over the last 30 years, it's like that, that view of God has opened up, and then that has changed every other area of my faith. And so cultivating it is important. By reading the Bible, by looking at Jesus, who, who was he? How did he treat people? How did he see God? How did he? This, this is sort of the foundational piece, right? Number two, um, the full armor of God when it comes to resisting means maintaining my relationships. Maintaining my relationships. And that's basically what righteousness is. Uh, in Ephesians 6.14, it says, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. We just read that. <laughs> and putting on the body armor of God's righteousness. Now, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time talking about the, pur the purpose of body armor, right? It's like, that's pretty self-explanatory. If you're not wearing your body armor uh, and you're in a battle, you are at a severe disadvantage, especially if the other person is wearing body armor. And so Paul says that this concept of righteousness is like body armor for us. Now, what is righteousness? Well, if we're talking about our righteousness between us and God, um, then what we're talking about is something that we can't earn ourselves. We can only accept it, and Jesus gives it to us freely, right? We, it, um, the reason that I'm okay with God is not because I'm such a great person and I'm able to do amazing things for him, uh, but the reason I'm okay with God is because Jesus gives me his righteousness when I, when I ask for it, when I when I dedicate myself to following him. And so that relationship between heaven and earth then becomes right. Basically, the whole concept behind righteousness is just, if I owe you money and I haven't paid it when I said I was going to pay it, then we stand in a state of unrighteousness. There's, there's something not right between us. And as soon as I make the payment, I make good, suddenly I am justified before you. I am, I am, we, I am right before you. And then everything's okay between us, right? Now, that's, that's money. There are so many other areas that we can get messed up. Now, when it comes to my relationship with God, I can't earn that righteousness. That's something that Jesus gives. But righteousness, especially for James, but even for Paul, it's not just about the relationship between heaven and earth. It's about my relationship with you, too, the people on this earth, my relationship with myself. How do I see myself? Do I think I'm not good enough? Better spend some more time looking at my concept of God and how he sees me because that'll change how you feel about yourself. Have I got issues with, with other people in my life, especially those who are close to me? If I do, there are huge gaps in my body armor that the devil can use to get me, to attack. And so we've got to make sure that when it comes to our relationships, Relationship with God, relationship with others, relationship with myself, even relationship to reality. I've got to make sure that, that as best I can, I am in right standing. Because otherwise, I am open. I am I'm vulnerable to attack. A lot more about it, but, but we've got to move on. So maintaining my relationships is, is what, to me, what righteousness is. 
Number three, uh, it also looks like keeping my balance. And this is all about what Paul calls it the, the shoes, the footwear, right? The, the, well, look at what he says. Ephesians 6, verse 15. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news of the gospel so that you will be fully prepared. Now, I used to look at this and be like, shoes? Why are shoes armor? Why, why, why does Paul even mention the shoes? Well, it turns out by this time in the ancient world, a soldier's footwear was incredibly important, starting with about Alexander the Great. Alexander, if you've ever read the story of his life, he would defeat massive armies with much smaller forces. And it turns out the reason he was able to do that is because, at least to a large extent, his troops could move faster, quicker, they were more mobile, and, and when they were done, they, were more, they weren't as tired because of their shoes. And so shoes, by the time you get to the first century, every army is putting their effort into figuring out how can we make a better shoe, right? It's like, it's like Nike versus Reebok or something. And, and they, the shoes had to be lightweight so that they could walk all day if they needed to and not get tired. They had to be lightweight, they had to be comfortable, they had to be tough and offer protection. Because a lot of times enemies would throw, you know, stuff like spikes on the ground so that when you stepped on them, it took out your feet. And if your feet are gone, well then you're gonna have a hard time fighting, right? And so those of you who are parents and have ever stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night, you have an idea of what that, what, it's like they were trying to make sure that didn't happen. And then they also had like, spikes on the bottom of them. The Romans called them hobnails. And so that they could dig in. It's, it's like cleats. So that when they, when they needed to stand their ground, they could stand there. They wouldn't be pushed back. They were stable. They were mobile. They were light on their feet. They, they had balance. Now, what does the gospel have to do with that? Well, the gospel is basically the story of Jesus' work in your life. Right? The fact that that human beings failed in the garden, right? Adam and Eve sinned, it put this, this gulf between us and God. And ever since that happened, God starts this process of sending his son so that we can be reunited. When Jesus comes to this earth, he lives his life, the life that we should have lived. And then he, he allows himself to be arrested, tried, tortured, crucified. He dies. He's buried for three days. He comes out of that tomb. He spends 40 days with his friends uh, before he ascends back to heaven. That's basically the story of the gospel. Now, how does that story help me to, to have balance in my life? Keep me from getting knocked down or pushed back? Well, most spiritual attacks, all right? The, most of the spiritual attacks that happen to people are not the whole Linda Blair's, you know, exorcist type thing where the devil actually, you know, takes over your body. And, you know, most, most spiritual attacks, especially in 21st century America, are very subtle lies that are whispered to you that if you're not careful, you will believe it. And they usually revolve around you're not good enough, God doesn't care about you, you've done too much, you've gone too far, you can never get back. And any time that you start to believe that lie that God doesn't care about you, what I think Paul is saying is recite that story in your mind again. Remember the gospel. Because if there is anything that should, that should tell you 
If somebody says God doesn't love you, it's a lie. It's the story of what Jesus was willing to go through for you. And so that keeps, I mean, I don't know about you, that keeps me grounded. That keeps me stable. That keeps me from being tripped up and knocked over and pushed back. That's the shoes, the gospel. Uh, the next uh, concept or the next part of the, of the armor to me is all about uh, maintaining my relationships um, or my commitment, maintaining my commitment. I already talked about the relationships. Faith, well, look at what Paul says. Ephesians 6, verse 16. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, faith, growing up, I would have thought, I would have told you, faith is 100% certainty, right? Faith is, is no doubt. And that if I have any doubt at all, then God is going to say, be gone, unbeliever, right? And cast me from his presence. But if you read the stories, especially in the Gospels, those guys that Jesus works with, they had a ton of uncertainty. They had a ton of of, of doubt. They had lots of questions. They had all kinds of times where they just weren't sure. But Jesus was always willing to work with them as long as their commitment level remained high. See, trust or faith is not really so much about what you think. It's about who you believe and what that means about how you live your life. If you watch the disciples, there are lots of times where they're like, we don't get this at all, but okay, you want me to go over here? All right, I'll go over there. And that's, that's an important thing to remember, I think, because I think we all struggle with uncertainty in our lives in one area or another when it comes to our faith. We all struggle with that at one point or another. And so I used to would have thought when that happened, well, then that's just it. I guess I'm just not cut out for this. And what I think Jesus would say is, no, the more you push forward, the more that you will see, the more I will prove to you exactly what it is that you are right now struggling with when it comes to uncertainty. And when we do that, what I've noticed is miracles happen. As a matter of fact, in, in my life, in the life of this church, when we haven't known what to do, you know, when I know what to do, and the, the longer I do this job, the more I think, you know, people say, this is what's going on, what should we do? The more I'm like, okay, yeah, I think this is what we should do. When I first got started, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have no clue what to do here, you know? And we were like, and so what I noticed is the times that I've been like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how this is going to work itself out. I don't know what's going to happen. Lord, help. Miracles happen. Absolute miracles. Even when we push forward, not sure what was going. Well, let's watch this. Hey, wait a minute, guys, guys. If the pig lizard is gone, why are they still yelling Garig now? Ted, get the translation circuit. Come on, guys, did it! 
salvation as your helmet. Now, pretty self-explanatory what a helmet is for when it comes to battle, right? If, uh, I mean, people figured out fairly early on, if they could hit you hard enough in the head and stun you, you were done fighting, right? They didn't even have to kill you necessarily. If they, didn't, could, if they could stun you, then you were going to be helpless. So what is the corresponding concept when it comes to our faith? Um, our spiritual battle. And Paul would say it is the concept of salvation. Now, how does that give us protection? How does that keep us from being stunned and rendered incapacitated? Well, it's one of those things where when you think about what Jesus came to do, Jesus, is, the Bible says, is our Savior. But he didn't, when I was young, I would have just thought that meant 
I get to go to heaven, right? Salvation is me going to heaven, and that's it. But there's so much more to it. Jesus as Savior forgives us for our things we've done in our past, which redeems my past. I mean, how much energy do people spend on guilt and regret and shame? And Jesus says, you give that to me, I'm going to put all of those sins in a bag with a brick. I'm going to drop it in the deepest, darkest ocean. And he puts up a sign that says, no fishing, right? He doesn't want you fishing in there. He promises he'll never fish in there again. He doesn't want anybody else going fishing in there either. And so we get to let go of all, I mean, how much energy would that free up? Then he, he, he frees us from a, a, a future without hope, which how much do we struggle with fear and anxiety and worry? And those are things that are really hard to put behind us. Um, and based on your body chemistry, people struggle with anxiety or don't, to a large extent, based mostly upon what's going on with their blood chemistry. Uh, but no matter where you are on that spectrum with how much you struggle, Jesus wants to help you deal with that with that fear, with that worry, with that anxiety. And I will just say this. Sometimes I think God looks at us and he sees us with all of our strengths and weaknesses and, and who we are and our genetics and everything else. Sometimes I think people that look like they're more impressive, that are doing more impressive things than us, it's, it doesn't look that way from heaven necessarily because what God sees is how much progress we're making. You know, you see that in the story of the of, of the, the faithful servants. It's not about how much you do, it's about how much progress you're making. And I think sometimes some of us who don't appear to be getting as much done, God's looking down thinking, wow, look at what they're accomplishing with what they've been handed. So you put that helmet of salvation on. Anytime Satan starts to whisper in your ear stuff that, well, these lies that are, that are, are designed to bring you down, you remember you remember that there is nothing that can be taken from me that has eternal significance that is forever lost. Nothing. I'll have it back one day because of my Savior. That's at least part of what the helmet is. Number six, it means sharpening my sword. Because see, the sword is the only piece of offensive weaponry that we are given. But it is a pretty powerful piece. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, he says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now that concept, the Word of God, is so full of meaning. And I wish we had, I mean, someday I want to do an entire lesson series just on these, these, these pieces of armor and, and spend multiple weeks on each one. But, but let's just de deal with the Bible right now, okay? The Bible is... Is a, is a weapon that is more powerful than you could possibly imagine. You learn how to handle the Bible, it's like splitting the atom in your life. And the more you learn to deal with it, the more, the better you'll get at handling it. And I'll just say this before we move on. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus faces Satan and he tempts him, three temptations, it's really interesting. Every single time Satan tempts Jesus with something, Every single time he responds by saying, it is written, and then he quotes scripture to the devil. And every time he does, boom, that temptation is done, and they move on. How do I resist the devil? How do you resist the devil? 
The Bible is a huge part of it. Is it confusing sometimes? Yeah. Is it unsettling sometimes? Sometimes scary, sometimes frustrating, sometimes confusing? Yeah, yeah it is. But here's, if you're gonna start trying to learn how to handle the Bible, do not start in the Old Testament, please, okay? Start with like the gospel, start with John. Read about who Jesus is, how he feels about you, how he treated people. Start with James. Read about how we're supposed to implement our faith in the real world. Sharpen that sword. Learn how to use it. It is the most powerful weapon you could possibly imagine. And that leads us to our final point, number seven. And most books will stop at this point. They don't really think of this as part of the armor of God, but it is part of, of what you need in order to be successful, and that is to never lose my communications. Never lose my communications. Now, in the ancient world, they used flags to communicate with their soldiers. They used drum beats. They used trumpet blasts, all kinds of different things. God uses prayer and the Bible, but, but prayer too. Look at, look at how he finishes his, this section in Ephesians 6.18. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Now, this is one that's awfully intimidating. What do I say? How do I say it? How often do I pray? How long should I pray when I pray? What position should I be in when I pray? Should I be standing up? Should I be sitting down? Should I be kneeling? Should I be laying down? It's like there are so many different possibilities. All God cares about is that you, you talk to him. Are you happy about something? Tell him. Are you sad about something? Tell him. Pour your heart out. That's what he wants. He just wants to hear from you. And if you do that, if you, if you focus on this armor of God, it will draw you near to him, which is, I mean, everything you need to know about how to resist the devil. And in a nutshell, that's spiritual warfare. So be strong and put on the full armor of God. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your son and for the fact that he is willing to stand with us in whatever we may be going through. And so, Lord, give us the wisdom that as we are being attacked, as we think about resisting the devil, not to try to take him on in his own terms, in his own turf, but instead to turn and draw near to you by putting on all of your armor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, a reminder, uh, come back at 8 tonight, or you can come by 9 or 10, or you can come and go. And uh, bring some fun stuff to eat, and we'll all have a great time together and watch the fireworks. Let's go ahead and stand and close to the final chorus. God is great, and His praise fills the earth, fills the heavens, and Your name will be praised to all the world. God is great, sing His praise, all the earth, all the heavens, comes to willing for the glory of Your name. Cause we're living for the glory of your name, the glory of your name. God bless you. Have a great weekend.